0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, BDW group void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 209 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. Today's story comes from the northwest of England, it involves one murder, another death, and a number of suspects. But before we start, a big thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, but especially the new members of this exclusive club. That's Angela Seymour. William and Steve Pickett Thank you all for your support Which is, as you know, much appreciated And if you want to be in my gang Probably could have phrased that better Just head to patreon.com Slash UK true crime Where you can join us I spoke last week about music for this podcast Don't worry, I'm not into all those special effects It's not really my thing But an intro exit music Any thoughts, please send me the details and my supporters and Patreon will make the final decision on which one we go with. Thank you in advance. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. 2020 has been a tough year for us all, and many of us are struggling in certain parts of our lives. For me, it's been finding the right balance between spending time at work and with family, and worrying that I'm failing in both. Whatever is interfering with your happiness... BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. To be clear, it's not self-help, it's professional counselling in a safe and private online environment. No more sitting in unwelcoming waiting rooms and you don't want to wait around once you've made the decision to go ahead so you can start tomorrow and schedule weekly phone and video sessions and contact your counsellor at any time. What's more, it's more affordable than traditional offline counselling, and it's available worldwide. BetterHelp want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener to this podcast, you'll get ten percent off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com/uk. So please join over one million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, hel uk Let's set some context for today's story. The UK number one was friend of the show, The Bieber, with Sorry, and Adele with Hello was at number two, with the positions reversed in the US chart. And in the Australian album charts, it was Bieber all the way, in the top spot with Purpose. In the news this month, Justin Trudeau was sworn in as a Canadian Prime Minister, with a cabinet split equally between men and women, Portugal's minority government was toppled by left wing opposition just two weeks after coming to power. It was the terrible terror attacks in Paris at three locations, which left at least 129 dead. ISIS claimed responsibility. This was the month that actor Charlie Sheen confirmed that he was HIV positive. And in tennis, Great Britain won the Davis Cup for the first time since 1936 after Andy Murray. Beat Belgium's David Goffin in the final in Ghent, in Belgium. And in UK True Crime News, the stepbrother of murdered teenager Becky Watts, Nathan Matthews, was found guilty of her murder and his girlfriend found guilty of Becky Watts' manslaughter. So, did you get the month and year? It was November 2015. Today's story comes from Salford in Greater Manchester in the northwest of England a region famous for the Lowry Centre, Media City, and a high-profile football team, Salford City. I think there's another one there too, but oh, the name escapes me. Detective Chief Inspector Terry Crompton from Greater Manchester Police confirmed to reporters that they detained a 36-year-old man at the house at St Heliers Drive, Salford, where they'd found the body of 36-year-old Sean Roberts. They believe that Sean had been murdered. Terry said We are eager to find out what Sean had been doing and where she'd been on the day of her death so we would like anyone who was with her or saw her on either Friday the 27th, Saturday the 28th or Sunday the 29th of November 2015 to get in touch. This is an extremely difficult time for the family and we want to give them the answers they deserve. We currently have a 36-year-old man in custody and we are taking our time to thoroughly question him, to establish what exactly led to Shawn losing her life, so who was Shawn Roberts? Shawn had trained as a hairdresser and was an accomplished stylist. She had her daughter, Shan at seventeen, and she was in the main brought up by her grandma, although the pair remained close like sisters. Shawn moved to St. Helier's Drive, Salford, in nineteen ninety eight and in two thousand five she got married but it didn't last as her husband was deported to Jamaica soon afterwards. In 2007, she fell in love with another man from Salford, and she started using hard drugs under his influence, which caused her to lose weight and be constantly short of money, which, as we know, is the reality of a heroin addiction. When her dad died in 2008, Shan's mental health deteriorated, but after a while she fought back and got her life back on track and she managed a drug rehabilitation centre. But months later, her mental health took a turn for the worse and she was diagnosed with psychosis. Over the years, shan made repeated attempts to beat her drug problem, including going through a methadone programme in 2010 when she came off the drugs, but she relapsed under the stress of her mother's illness. When earlier in 2015 her mum had died after Shana had cared so much for her, Sian was distraught. Her friends told detectives how this led to Shan spending time with her new crowds who were much more into drugs and partying. Detectives knew that many of these friends had been at a party at Sian's house the night before she died and detectives were eager to know if someone at that party held the key to Sian's death. What the detectives didn't tell the public at the time was the circumstances of Shan's death. A post-mortem revealed she'd been stabbed four times with a fatal wound to the chest. A number of defensive wounds to Shan's hands indicated there'd been a struggle and she put up a fight for her life as she was attacked. Crime scene manager, Pam Mather, was the first officer on the scene and in her own words, this is what she found. You could see just from the opening that door that there was numerous items split around that floor. A knife had also been placed into Shan's hand, initially making it look like she'd inflicted the wounds to herself. A lot of items had been tipped out and placed onto Shan's body. There were also some sex toys, a vibrator and some handcuffs. Fellow officer Bob Tung was also at the scene and he added the following. After Shan had been stabbed, it's quite clear that she lived for a time after, because there's evidence at the murder scene in the bedroom that Sean at some point had been sat on the side of the bed bleeding out, but she was found on the floor at the side of the bed. And detectives also had a prime suspect, the man who had been detained at the house, Sean's ex-boyfriend, Joel Gordon. The two had been friends from school, but only recently got together, Sean had been found dead in her home by Joel when he and other friends became concerned that Sean had not been in contact. Before he called the police, he called Sean's sister to say that he'd gone round to her house at the front door, and because there was no answer and he was particularly concerned that he couldn't reach her, he went into her house through the patio doors at the back of the house, where inside it looked as though somebody had been in there because the house was trashed. He then dialed 999. And he said, she's dead. She's fucking dead. I've been fucking calling her for two fucking days. I've knocked on the front door. The back door was open. I've come in and she's fucking on the floor dead. She's covered up with a quilt. I've pulled the quilt off her. She's fucking dead. Bloods all over her. All over her belly. But also in the call he was heard to say, what have you done, you stupid woman? Was he angry with Shan, and that is why he had killed her? And when asked about his movements that day by detectives, his story had been less than coherent. But Joel said that was just because he was trying to tell them absolutely everything he knew. And he was just upset and in shock as he had just found his friend's body, which is surely understandable. Detectives were particularly interested in Joel, as until recently he'd been serving life in prison for the knife murder of a teenage school friend, Craig Pierce. Craig had been stabbed 22 times in a knife attack by a group in 1997. But Joel insisted that though he'd been present, he'd not committed the murder he'd been convicted of. But was he the man that detectives were looking for for murdering Sean? And detectives had discovered there'd been another death at the same house just 18 months previously. Were the two deaths connected? In the first... 49-year-old mum of two, Jacqueline Jordan, had lived in the house for just four months as a housemate of Shan's after moving from nearby Oldham and was discovered dead in the garden of the house. Jacqueline had been selling sex, much to the anger of some of the residents on the small cul-de-sac who had formed a group to protest to the Guinness Northern Counties housing group about it. It wasn't just the men arriving at the house at all times of the day and night they objected to, although I would suggest that how she earned her money is absolutely nothing to do with anyone else. Sex work is just as valid as any other paid work. But there have been regular disturbances in and around the house too. But this wasn't really Jacqueline's fault, as one neighbour explained, saying, Jackie was such a nice lady, but she was very timid and fragile, and she let people bully her. She would never have hurt anyone. She had a little dog called Millie that all the kids on the street adored and she would stand out and let them all play with it. She was a good person who found herself in a bad situation and she became trapped. It's so tragic. Jacqueline had been subletting the house from a 34 year old woman who found her body. Neighbours saw this woman running frantically in the street at around 5pm on the Sunday that she found Jackie's body screaming, Jackie's dead in my garden. The woman and her boyfriend had been arrested on suspicion of murder, but in the end, they were freed without charge after toxicology tests found traces of drugs in Jackie's system and the case was referred to the coroner. The death was found to be non-suspicious and the two were released without charge. But surely this second death at the house was just coincidence and not related to Sean's murder. Forensic experts at the house soon got a breakthrough after footprints on the body were traced. Crime scene manager, Pam Mather again, she said, In some of the clothing that was around, and bedding that had been placed on top of Sean, it was very evident that there were footprints in blood. Once we'd photographed some of the footwear evidence, or footprints in blood, and also latent footprints, copies of those impressions were given to the major incidents team that was dealing with his job at the time. The footwear, the impressions that we had seemed very consistent. Footwear impressions in blood and in Shan's blood, they were in the bathroom, they were in the bedroom, on different layers of debris that was put on top of Shan. We knew what type of footwear we were looking for. And detectives by this time were moving away from Joel as a suspect and began to start to suspect that Shan's current boyfriend, David Morgan, may have killed her. When they went to David's home to arrest him, they came face to face with another man leaving his property. And the detectives noticed that this man had the same shoes which matched the footprints that had been found on Sean's body. This man was 56-year-old Glyn Williams and he was arrested and taken into custody for questioning. Glyn Williams is the sort of guy who looks much older than his age. You know the sort, like they had a really tough paper round. He had a long criminal background, including in 1990 when he was a key figure in the UK's longest ever prison riot at Strangeways. Remember that? It was a month-long series of disruptions that began when one prisoner took the microphone from prison chaplain and told the congregation, let's take the prison. As you'd expect, most prisoners surrendered after a couple of days' disorder, but a small number of rioters staged a rooftop siege about the conditions they faced in the Victorian building. And one of those was Glyn Williams. He was among the last five prisoners to be taken down from the roof of the jail after 25 days and in the end was given an extra 10 years in prison for the role that he played in the riot. If you read some of the stories of his fellow rioters, there are some uplifting stories there about how they turned their lives around. But not Glyn Williams he developed a serious heroin addiction and the rest of his life, until we joined him in 2015, was spent with a common cycle of committing burglaries and other crimes to feed his need for heroin, going to jail and then the whole thing repeating. As I said before, that after Sean's mum had died, she started hanging around the new, more druggy crowd and Glyn Williams was among this group. And very quickly, he adored Sean. But to Shan Glynn was no more than an acquaintance. But He told others that he was head over heels in love with her and he wanted to marry her. And it transpired in the weeks before Shan's murder. He tried to shower her with jewellery and other precious items, which he had in fact lovingly stolen during other house burglaries. When questioned by detectives, Glynn freely admitted that he was at Shan's house party the day before she died, saying... I was at her address on Friday into the early hours until about quarter to three into Saturday and that was my last contact with any persons of this name from that house. From there I went to a friend's house. I stayed there all night and got my head down. Saturday morning I go about my business. But at the end of the day, to me, Sean's death is I was surprised by it, shocked by it but I'm also shocked by the fact that I'm labelled as a suspect. I've never had any issues with Sean. But detectives had by now completed their checks on his footwear and confirmed that it was his boot prints in Sean's blood at the murder scene, which suggested that he'd been the last person to see her alive. And moreover, CCTV had thrown up some vital information. On the morning that Sean had last been seen, November the 28th, Sean bought two English breakfasts from the Godfather Cafe in the nearby Cheetham Hill before going back to St Helia's Drive with a man at 10am. The CCTV showed that this man was Glynn Williams. And these meals were recovered from her house after her death, with it being the case that one of them, which had black pudding, could be linked by DNA on a fork to Glenn Williams. And as neither had eaten much of the breakfast, it appeared to be the case that Shan had been killed soon after returning to the house with the food. And the lack of Sharn using her phone after this time supported this theory. But Williams seemed very confident telling detectives, when you get my boots back, I'm going to tell you they're not my boot prints. But when he was told that his boots were in fact a match, he changed his story, this time saying that he had in fact found Shan dead and didn't ring police because he was scared he'd be arrested for murder. Detectives weren't buying this for one moment, and they gave him a chance to tell them exactly what had really happened. But Williams refused to talk, even turning his back on the detectives, saying he didn't want to talk any longer, adding, I want to go back to my cell, I'll finish with this fucking interview, he said. I'll smash the fucking room up, now get me back to my cell. Now. Glen Williams was charged with the murder of Sean. At his trial, he pleaded not guilty. And his QC suggested that Joel Gordon, who was not on trial, had killed Sean. It must have been very distressing for Joel to go through the ordeal, don't you think? The QC, for ease, let's refer to him as Twat, reminded Joel of the 999 call. He said, Mr Gordon can be heard saying, what the fuck have you done, you stupid woman? Twat asked, Were you talking to Shan? Is she a stupid woman for making you kill her, Mr Gordon? She's not a stupid woman, Joel replied. Twat then claimed that the police response to the 999 call allowed Joel plenty of time to arrange Shard's body, which was found with a knife in her hand. If I was arranging anybody, I'd have blood all over me, Joel said. You can dirty my character as much as you want. I did not murder Sean, I found the body. Unsurprisingly, the jury found Glenn Williams guilty of murder, and he was handed a life sentence, serving a minimum twenty one years. Not one to stay classy at any point, he even threw his own excrement at the defence team in court. The judge called him a devious calculated man and added You've been convicted by a jury of the most callous crime. This was a brutal and utterly pointless murder. Nobody knows why you killed Shan, but the theft of her belongings may be linked. It's perfectly reasonable that when you got back to her house she noticed that these items were missing. You took out a knife and stabbed her. You killed her shortly after you'd gone back to the house. It occurred in her bedroom, next to or on the bed. Two of the stabs were fatal and you thrust the knife in her chest and then again in a slightly different position. She didn't die straight away and she may have been alive for some time lying there bleeding. You made no attempt to save her and thought only about yourself. In the next few hours, you did everything you could to confuse the police. Not only this, but you placed a knife in her hand and made it look as though she'd stabbed the attacker. You staged a scene to make it look as though it was a burglary. You also placed a vibrator and a pair of handcuffs at the scene to make it look as if something sexual had occurred. You then covered her body with a duvet and pillow and pieces of clothing, but you left traces of DNA at the scene and were seen by CCTV. You then walked to her friend's house, and although they were worried about her, you kept quiet about her fate. You inflicted mental and physical suffering. I conclude there was some kind of argument that started up, but the infliction of four stab wounds, leads me to the conclusion that you intended to kill her. I would like to say to the family that I know this was particularly difficult, and yet you all behaved with remarkable dignity and restraint. I hope you can gain some kind of solace from justice being done. Speaking afterwards, Shan's daughter, Sian said, As you'd say, God gives his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers. Here is my tribute to God's strongest soldier. Your life might have been short-lived, but it was most definitely lived. I've never known a person to inspire and touch so many different lives in such a crazy and unorthodox way. You definitely left your mark on this world through all who knew you, and you will definitely live on in all of us. My mum, my bestest friend in the entire world, finally at peace. As a final aside, the next man to take over Sean's house had a nasty shock finding bloody handprints still on the wall. He said in the paper, I'm appalled a company could let this house out in such a state. i have been for a really brief look around and never noticed the blood on the walls. I got the keys and was intending to move in and redecorate, but I noticed there's blood splatters all over the house, the handprints in the living room, as well as forensic powders covering the patio doors. We didn't know what had happened initially, but then we have heard from people living nearby. My daughter has heard it too, and we try to reassure her that she is terrified to be here. Can't imagine that. Not great at all, is it? So what do you make of today's story? It's still unclear to me why Glyn Williams killed Sean. Was it because he was stealing from her? I'm not so sure about this, as he was also giving her stuff from other burglaries. Or did he try on with her, and react badly when she refused his advances? I guess we're never going to know for sure. Williams is, to my mind, a deeply unpleasant, insignificant little man, always leeching off others, and it's hard to feel any sympathy for him. Especially when you contrast him with Sean, who, okay, she had her problems, but she was full of life and energy, and desperately trying to fight the heroin addiction that was blighting her life. We've spoken about heroin addiction so many times on this podcast and it never ends well. All we can do is wish Sean's family and friends well after losing Sean at just 36 when she would so many more years that she should have been able to hopefully recover, live and really make a difference. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. To discuss this case and any other aspects of UK True Crime, please head to the Facebook group. There's almost 50,000 of us now. you will be made very, very welcome. And to support the show and to keep me recording a podcast every week, please join me at patreon.com slash UK True Crime. There's also two months free membership if you join us now. Why should you join Patreon? Well, you get all the bonus episodes. You get to contribute to me recording a live episode. You see all the stats from the show. There's live streams, monthly live streams and all the information about what's going on for the podcast. That's patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime. So that's all for me for now. So thank you very much for joining me this week. Please do take it easy and most of all, stay classy.